0: Coming up on this week's show, Posey Roberts is here as part of the 2016 GRL blog tour. Plus, we've got a recap of GRNW and lots more from our September travels. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts...
1: Jeff Adams, and Will Kanaus. Welcome to episode number 52 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com.
0: Welcome back, sir. Indeed. Welcome back to you. Yes. It has been... um, Three
1: weeks. Three weeks since we have recorded a... A bunch of episodes. A bunch of episodes. (laughs) Correct. Yes, indeed. Because we were out on the East Coast for a weekend, and then we were at GRNW for a weekend, and we pre-done it, pre-did everything, pre-done everything. That's good grammar. You pre-done it? Pre-done it. Good. And so, yeah, see, (laughs) we've forgotten how to do this now completely. I don't know how to talk anymore. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah, It's good to be back. (sighs) Let's Um, get back into the swing of things. Into the swing. So the first thing we should say, it's episode 52. But that doesn't mean it's a year. Not for yet. those of you who are curious. Going Not fifty-two, yet. that might be a year. Fifty-six will be our year, um, and that we'll celebrate that uh, the week of Halloween on October thirty-first. We'll drop that episode. So yeah, we're looking forward to our one-year anniversary. Yeah. Um, even while we've been gone, I've been doing some some writing stuffs. Um, I'm it, I wouldn't say deep in. I guess I'm about chapter six. On Codename Winger Book 2 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get most of that draft done within October, since we're supposed to start writing our book uh, in November to do NaNoWriMo. And we'll talk a lot more about NaNoWriMo prep later in this month, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, also, Dancing for Him. I showed off that paperback, if you were looking at the video on episode 49, that is now officially available at Amazon. And create space, and it will be rolling out to Barnes and Noble and other places soon. And I'll have a link for that in the show notes if anybody wants to pick up a copy. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So one of the places we were gone was Seattle for the Gay Romance, Nor- Gay Gay Romance Northwest Meetup. See, I've, I've been now, and I still stumble <laughs> over that name. We were told at the at the Meetup that that name will change for 2017 as they kind of expand their focus a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. This is the last year it'll be known as GRNW.
0: Yes. Um, they um, they feel that calling it the Gay Romance Northwest Meetup doesn't quite encompass... Um, uh, the
1: LGBTQIA plus spectrum exactly. of romance.
0: Yes, exactly. So they're searching for a new name. Yes. Uh, so...
1: Uh, I don't know if they have like a poll set up on their
0: website or something. It's not there yet,
1: but we were told at the meetup that there would be a survey forthcoming. So if we see that happen on their website, we'll certainly uh, shout it out to everybody so that uh, we can look at renaming that as they expand their focus.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have been, of course, openly critical of their word jumble of a name. Yes, it's, and they embraced your your is, criticism of their, their name jumble. Pretty funny. And uh, thinking about it just a little bit, um, I don't have any concrete suggestions offhand. I do think that um, it's important to somehow... Uh, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? To um, give a shout out to their location because mm-hmm. they're the largest gate conference on the West Coast and um, which Northwest rep- refers to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, I think that's sort of vague unless you're from this specific area. I don't necessarily think that, you know, most, you know average joes or jills are going to know what you mean when you say northwest necessarily not
1: unless you add pacific
0: pacific northwest does but that's just adding to the word jumble of the name so i think uh maybe working seattle into the Mm -hmm. name um which may or may not be a problem i mean if you officially you know name your event the seattle you know blah, blah blah does that designated as, you know, the city has sanctioned the event. I don't know. I'm not quite sure if that's plausible, but I think working Seattle but into the you, name and um I think you could do that. and trying to have something else in the name that encompasses uh the whole LGBT um spectrum is difficult. I think really the only single word that does that is rainbow. Uh, but there are already several conferences that have, you know, Rainbow in the title, so they may or may not want to adopt that. I don't know. Like I said, those were just my initial thoughts. It's hard. It's hard coming up with a name for an event. that's both memorable and unique, but, uh, yeah, easy to say, easy to remember. Yeah, (sighs) we we wish them luck, (laughs) and we'll certainly (laughs) help out as much as we can. (laughs) Yeah, it's not easy. Um, Anyway, so the event itself no matter what it's named, was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was (laughs) an amazing, amazing event. Uh, It started off Friday night with readings, uh, a specific Mm -hmm. reading that involved uh, trans and genderqueer authors reading, for the most part, uh, trans and genderqueer stories, uh, several of which I bought the next day at the book fair. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, there was another section of what they called Love Bites, which was five-minute readings of romance passages. Uh, I got to take part in that. I got a, an email a few days before the event. Like I think someone had, had to drop out for some reason, and they reached out. And so I got to read a little bit of hat trick there, uh, which was awesome. And we discovered several authors who I think will be picking up their books and possibly having on the show uh, later on. And then, did uh, anything stand out for you, particularly in the readings? I enjoyed them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of. Um,
0: I run sort of hot and cold on readings because uh, sometimes they can be, you know, fascinating and hilarious. Sometimes they can be deadly dull. Uh, you never know what you're going to get when you go to one. It really depends on the author and the material that they're sharing. Uh, I was uh, very happy with everyone yeah. who, who read. Yeah, I, I would agree because it was agree, cause a, a we,
1: really good event. I think we heard from. I want to say more than a dozen authors across the two hours. And I was pleased by a lot of what I heard. And then the the panels the next day Mm -hmm. were really good. I wish we could have cloned ourselves so that we could have hit more of them because there were usually two or three running at once. Yeah. GRNW
0: is essentially a one-day event. Uh, Everyone gathers for the keynote. Uh, and then afterwards, you break out into uh, different sections of the Seattle Library. You can attend uh, different workshops, different um, panel, panels. Panel discussions. Yeah. Uh, so it
1: was all good. We, wh- what was the first panel we, we saw? What was We it went called? to one that was, okay, we should have written down what they were called, yeah, but I no, know what I they know. were. <laughs> um, we went to uh, the trans panel where mm-hmm. they talked about... What it's like writing for that audience—not only the stories that they want to tell as trans authors and gender queer authors, mm-hmm. but also the industry behind it and how hard it is sometimes to get a publisher to take your work or to find the niche of your audience. Yeah, um, and then we went to the bi erasure panel mm-hmm. um, as well, uh, which talked about exactly what that is—you um, know, bringing bisexuality into the stories and having both readers and I was surprised to find out publishers. Uh, understand that bisexuality is part of the spectrum and not just something that's there because they don't want somebody doesn't want to commit to being straight or commit to being on the gay side of the spectrum so it was a it was a fascinating discussion Mm -hmm. um the grnw website which we'll link to in the show notes because it's a it's a clunky website name too Uh, (laughs) um has put up uh, recordings for most of the panels oh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. well as the keynote. Yeah. So if you were not part of the couple hundred people who gathered in Seattle uh, that Saturday, you can pick those up online and listen to them. Uh, most of them are linked up on YouTube yeah. from their website. Uh, the other thing uh, we should we should play for the folks that we have, uh, towards the end of the day, we talked to the executive director of GRNW, Tracy Timmons Gray, about the grassroots effort that has really turn this into what it is, being such a large gathering in Seattle, uh, after just four years. You've talked a couple times this weekend about what the the mission of GRNW is. Uh, Can you share that for the folks who are outside the Pacific Northwest?
2: Sure, and thanks for asking me. Uh, Hi, this is Tracy Timmons-Gray. I'm director and lead volunteer of Gay Romance Northwest. We are a nonprofit volunteer-run initiative uh, housed within the Seattle Writing nonprofit Old Growth Northwest. And our purpose is to celebrate the awesomeness of LGBTQ romance fiction. And we celebrate it and specifically try to create spaces to celebrate it, opportunities for authors, etc. cetera, because uh, oftentimes there isn't a lot of access to these wonderful books. So bookstores oftentimes don't have them in the bookstores. Uh, they're not often found in libraries. There's not a lot of public reading events celebrating queer romance stories. And so what we started with was the fact that there were so many queer romance authors in the Pacific Northwest that we thought, hey, if we start building spaces where people can come together to do readings and to come to a conference and to start doing community book drives to support libraries, we can have a lot of impact in increasing and expanding awareness around queer romance books. And uh, that's how we started, and that's just, uh, since we started in 2013, we've launched about over 20 free public reading events across Seattle and Portland. Uh, we've done four years of the annual gay Northwest Media Conference with the hundreds of attendees every year who come, and we've raised around, we've gathered around over a thousand book donations for Seattle community LGBT libraries. And so these are, and along with that, working with the uh, Seattle Public Library to help increase their own collection, and thanks to all their hard work, they've added more than 500 books to their collection uh, since 2013. So it's a lot of our mission is about increasing access, increasing visibility, and ensuring that people who are really looking for queer romance books, or maybe never even heard about before, they can find them and really find the books that where they see themselves reflected in.
1: So it's really been a grassroots effort here in Seattle. Yeah. How, How would you recommend for people who want to start that in their own area, where do they start?
2: I think a great place to start is to first uh, find your people, find your readers. It's a it's hard work, uh, and it, it's all volunteer based. Usually, uh, you're not going to be able to do this work for money. Uh, it's, it's just to be <laughs> honest, and uh, it's it's going to be easier for you if you're doing it on a volunteer basis, because uh, a lot of the groups that you're going to be working with are going to be nonprofits. And so, first, find your people, your readers, uh, and uh, and then start knocking on doors with LGBTQ nonprofits. A lot of them already have arts programming already. So, I would start there to talk about. Do you do programming around queer romance? Uh, if you don't, uh, uh, what, what are things that can happen? Seeing what queer romance reader uh, writers live nearby. So if you have a writer who's in the next town over or in your state, contacting them and seeing if they would like to do an event in your town or in a local bookstore, for instance. Uh, so it's really the proximity of writers, that's the, one of the best ways to get started. And then talking, starting talk with your library. And your libraries really enjoy doing events with local writers. So a queer romance author could go to their local library and say, hi, I've written all these books. I would love to do a reading event. And you could pitch it to the library. And if they do reading events already, it's a pretty easy pitch. And uh, Depending on if you can even just, like shape it around October is Gay History Month or something different, like June, um, You can pitch it around certain events of the year or just throughout the year itself, but that's a great way to approach your local library. Uh, Really connected to LGBTQ organizations, especially LGBTQ organizations that are already doing arts and literary programs. A lot of times they don't know who's nearby, so unless you connect to them and really reach out to them, they won't know that there's awesome opportunities for uh, uh, writers to work with. So those are two ways. And then another way to get started is to Start requesting books for your library to purchase. It's a, probably the simplest thing that any reader could do: is to go to their library, fill out the purchase form. A lot of it's online, and uh, and the library can start buying books. And then for authors and readers who uh, authors and writers who are thinking about that, uh, examining their own uh, backlist and seeing what is an overdrive and what isn't an overdrive. Because if your books are an overdrive, it's way, way, way more easier for libraries to start putting your books putting uh, your books into their collection. And so that's something that not publishers and writers aren't always thinking about, but they I really recommend they should.
1: Awesome. And next year, November 2017.
2: That is the goal, is November 2017. We're moving out of uh, September because this is kind of a crowded time for queer romance, and so we thought that would be easier if we move to another month, and then our goal is to partner again, our goal is to be free mm-hmm. again, like we were this year, because uh, a lot of our mission is around financial access, mm-hmm. so our event always was very cheap, this is the first time we were free, and for us it was very a great way to live through mm-hmm. our mission to ensure that people have free access to queer romance stories. Mm-hmm.
0: This is the first year it was uh, technically yeah. free. How uh, how many people came this year? Do you, do you know? Do you Probably have
2: a around rubber? 180. Oh cool, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. That's awesome, because the auditorium downstairs was quite full. <laughs>
2: yeah, so it was a good, was a good number. Uh, we were a little worried because we've never done it free before, and it's always a risk to see who will show up, because it can sometimes feel less valuable when it's free. So we were so happy to see that we had a great crew come in, and we also had a great crew of walk-ins just come in uh, mm-hmm. to join the event, so that's really awesome. nice. Yeah.
0: Thank you to Tracy for taking a few minutes out of her uh, extremely busy day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Lots of great information. Uh, She was really wonderful. Uh, A great uh, host. Exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, we should mention that GRNW is capped off with essentially a book fair. Uh, You can buy books from the authors that were featured in all the panels and get them signed. Uh, Which is what we did. (laughs) Yeah, I got four.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Which I look very forward to reading. We came home from Seattle with a bunch of books. Yes. Good stuff. And you can see my recap on GRNW on jeffadamswrites.com, and I'll link to that in the show notes also.
0: Cool.
1: Now, of course, we were in Seattle, so we had to take another trek while we were there. Uh, Saturday morning before we hit the library for GRNW, we went north to the Amazon bookstore. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I loved it. I thought it was... The Amazon experience, shopping experience inside a physical bookstore. Uh, It's smaller than I expected, uh, smaller than most Barnes and Nobles I think I've ever been in, uh, regardless of what city uh, those were in. Um, Everything's face out, which is certainly different from most bookstores where certain featured titles are face out, but you're mostly reading Spines. Uh, They put Amazon or Goodreads reviews on little cards right under each of the books. And while the genres are the same as I would think most bookstores are, I did, there wasn't anything missing that I could see. Uh, they do split some things up in the genres, so you have a panel that's like, if you like this book, you will also like these books, mm-hmm. which again is bringing the Amazon experience into the physical bookstore. Um, and you could buy all kinds of Amazon gadgets there too. They had fires and echoes and dots and whatever else those little thingamabobs are <laughs> they're offering now that are like Siri. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I think if I lived near one, I would go and check it out periodically to see what's turned over in the store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, It's a beautifully
0: designed store. It's a beautifully laid out store. Uh, Basically, the center section of the store, uh, at least 25% is given over to the Amazon devices. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're there so that you can experience them live and in person. Um, The rest of the store is... uh, uh as Jeff said um uh, face face out product uh the the I found the aisles very narrow so and and the bookshelves very tall mm. so you whenever you walk down an aisle you're sort of uh, there are uh you're kind of cocooned in these books um so I'm not sure what sort of marketing strategy that is all about. Um, it's an interesting space. Uh, and um, you can certainly browse it just like you would a
1: normal bookstore. Um,
0: yeah, that and a, was my impression. And a very friendly
1: staff. Yeah, they were um, all lovely. They were lovely. They were engaging. Uh, and I liked a lot that you could uh, pay with your Amazon app. On your phone. Exactly. Which means your, tr- your purchase is tracked like anything else mm-hmm. uh, in the Amazon world. Yeah. Which was pretty darn cool. Yeah. And they will be opening. There's at least one other store that's open now, isn't there? Yeah. There's a store in San Diego now. I believe so. And they're working on a Portland store, I think, that's due to open... The holiday shopping time this year Mm -hmm. but maybe not we've actually got a link in the show notes uh to the amazon bookstore page (laughs) on amazon so you can check that out there yeah so you know what we love what do we love reviews we do love reviews as we approach our one year anniversary uh it would be great if you could take a time out if you've been listening to us whether you're a new listener perhaps that we've picked up because we had some things at grnw Or because you caught us on International Podcasting Day, which was back on September 30th. Or if you've been with us the whole time, we would love it if you left a review on iTunes or Google Play Music or iHeartRadio, wherever you happen to pick up the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, A review would go a long way to getting us more exposure going into year two. Yeah. Um, We realize leaving
0: a review on Apple isn't the easiest thing in the whole wide world. (laughs) Um, So if you make the effort, we... Uh, Love you very much. We do appreciate them. Um, Just a few kind words. uh, Five stars. They have five stars there? Yes. Yeah, five stars. Five stars would be awesome, but (laughs) rate your heart. (laughs) Go with what your heart tells (laughs) you.
1: So we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Um, And we need to give another shout-out to Mm? our friends at Truth Slash Fiction. Yes, we do. They had a viral blow-up in the middle of September. Uh, I witnessed it while I was on the East Coast uh, as our as our Twitter got liked for their episode that they were on back in number 41. Uh, it seems that the one direction group known as the Larrys, which are the people that ship uh, um, Louie and Harry uh, discovered the show and it just took off. Um, if they've become uh, for us it became our number one youtube uh episode ever with over 1500 views now as we record this episode Mm -hmm. at the first of october um We're thrilled that they took off. Um, Hopefully it gives them a boost in their efforts to have the show actually go to series uh, with someone. Because we've seen from their feed that they're getting hit by the Larrys. The Larrys are hitting Netflix going, you need to pick up this show. You need to pick up the show. Exactly. Um, We have a link in the show notes to a YouTube uh, fan video that the Truth Slash Fiction guys put together. Where they had the fans from around the world along with the guys who portrayed the band Truth in the series uh lip sync to baby it's you okay so check that out it's kind of cute yeah if you are a avid larry
0: lover um <laughs> and you have discovered the show our show through Toothless fiction uh first we want to welcome you uh we hope you're enjoying the show and we hope you stick around for a little bit and see what we're all about yeah time now for the grl guest author spotlight
1: we're happy to welcome Posey Roberts to the podcast as part of the official 2016 GRL blog tour. Posey writes about the realistic struggles of men looking for love. Whether her characters are family men, drag queens, or lonely men searching for connections, they all find a home in her stories. Posey is a Jill of all trades and a master of the drill and paintbrush. She's married to a partner who makes sure she doesn't forget to eat or sleep during her writing frenzies. Her daughter, a budding author and cinematographer, helps her come up with her character names. And for fun, Posey enjoys crafting, hiking, and singing spontaneously about the mundane, just to make regular life more interesting. Thanks for being with us, Posey. Thank you for having me. Feel free to sing any of the answers that you want, just to make it interesting as we go. (laughs) It could be the musical version of the podcast.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm brave enough for that. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't warmed up It's 10 in the morning
1: That's true, that's true We might have to warm up for such things <laughs> So to look at your writing You tend to write stories where family is important Like in North Star and Feathers from the Sky What draws you into stories like those?
3: Um, I think the thing for me is that um, fam Our family of origin for good or evil shapes who we are um, They're with us you know that little nagging voice in the back of your head that telling you, you know, when you walk through the kitchen and the, there's dishes in the sink, you know, your mother telling you you should have a clean kitchen, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, but I think it also affects how we um, how we interact with other people um, in other relationships. It, I'm also I was trained as a marriage and family therapist. Um, my degrees are in. Um, family science, and child development. So it's kind of my lifelong passion. That is the one passion that I have in life is families and trying to create as strong of families as we can or help those heal who grew up in really horrendous conditions. And I don't want people to feel as if they are stuck because of where where they grew up, how they grew up. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of one of the some people think I'm an example. I'm not I don't think I am, but <clears throat> I was adopted and but I was adopted as a baby, so was my sister. And we had people always asking us about, you know, what about your real family? Don't you want to find your real parents? And our answer to that always was, I live with my real parents. There's no need to find my real parents. My birth family, that's a totally different thing. And no, I never had a desire to find those people. And my life wasn't Less than because of that so and I'm not a victim of being an ad- adopted child like so many people tend to think that I am And I'm not and I don't want you know We, we grow up with the families we have and we have to make the best of it
1: mm-hmm. And sometimes you create the family you need and I think you know, exactly that's, that's certainly something that runs through a lot of, of Gay men experience depending on how they were treated yes. by their their real family
3: Yes, and often we search for the thing exactly opposite of what we had So if we had a very cold and distant family, we actually tend to go towards the opposite of that, and then sometimes our brains take over and tell us we don't deserve that, and then we go for, we start falling in love with somebody who's cold and distant. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I I like to write about uh, chosen family. I write a a lot about chosen family in, in my books as well, because, well... The series I'm working on right now, I mean that's all about chosen family, so Mm -hmm. and in in North Star, it was both of those, that's a trilogy spark fusion and flares and that and that was that was a family origin story to the, the created family to then they have kids and what kind of a family do we want to be and there was bullying in that because of the way that their family was made up and the kids got bullied and such so and always sticking together and hugo and kevin were this foundation for pretty much everybody in that story mm-hmm. all the way through, from high school on so
1: speaking of series this last year you published two more books in your naked organic series uh farm fresh and pick fresh now, that series is in a commune outside of Portland. Where did the idea for that one come from? Because commune is certainly a whole different kind of family situation.
3: Yeah, and that's usually what I, I hear um, anytime the book is reviewed, is I've never read anything like this before. Um, okay, I'm, I'm kind of a... Inside, I'm a, I'm, I'm a hippie. I mean, I grew up in the 70s with my bell bottoms and my long hair, and um, it's like I was born 10 years too late, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. I just there are communes around around where I live right now. There were and there were little com not necessarily communes but communities where I grew up in North Dakota, like the Hutterite community and such, which are very closed off communities, like similar to the Amish. Um, their belief systems are different. But right around here, there are some. Genuine hippie colonies and or communes, excuse me. And my um, my daughter's early childhood special ed teacher. When my daughter was really young, she had a teacher come help her because she was born with a lot of birth defects. So, um, and she actually lived on a on a footprint. I mean, zero footprint. They they sold um, their electricity that was solar generated to the city of um, Decorah, and I'm um, that got in my head going and, you know, I took environmental studies in college, it's sort of in 1989, and I came back home and I was just the most pretentious, but just after freshman, oh, mom, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to recycle, we got to do this, I was so pretentious, and my mom kind of looked at me like, we've been doing that, we've been doing that for years, And so I just wanted to go in and explore what would it really be like to live on a commune. And I wanted it to be sexually free. And I wanted it to be made up of um, LGBTQ people. And one of the things that I, I really wanted it to be a place of healing. And maybe that's how it started out for way, way back when, when people were being ostracized because it came to be in the 80s during the AIDS crisis. And um, then after, and it was no longer as much of a crisis, but then there's this one man, Leo, who lives in the Yellow House, and he basically invites men that need a little bit extra help to get past their pasts, <laughs> so, and the rest of the house, the rest of the commune is made up of all sorts of different people.
1: That's got to be a lot of fun to write to have all those different character types mixed together.
3: It is and it's oh my god, you wouldn't believe the plot bunnies that have gone on in my head. I I really do I would love to do a spin-off series that goes into um more not just male-male but do MFM and MMF and just switch it around. I would I don't know if I can market that under in the same way, I'm gonna to have to search for a different audience, I think. But I'm really excited to explore that. How many books do you foresee
1: in just the Naked Organic series? As it is right now,
3: four. It's gonna deal with all four men in the Yellow House. So the first book was essentially Jude's book, and he grew up in a really religious home. He's just finishing college and um, had a pretty bad past, and kind of this is about the only way he going to this sexually free commune to. This is probably the only way he could have gotten over what his father did to him. And then the second book is about Hudson. Um, and he basically ran away from home at 19, um, to get away from parents who stuck him in a, right away the gay camp and so on and so forth. He's been there. He's 30 years old now. And then, um, the next book is going to be, um, Charlie's book. And I was supposed to write that this summer, but it's such a scary book for me to write that I don't know. I've just blown it off. It's 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 going to be a tough book because I've hinted at stuff that's happened to Charlie. Nobody really knows how bad it was with Charlie. We'll see. I'm going to heal it. I'm going to make everything better. And he's the funny guy. He's the funny one in the group. And then the last one is Leo. And he's the um, founder of the commune, and he's 53 years old. And... Um, so basically, it ends up it's it starts off. You think it's going to be a, a book about a film. It's not really. I mean, it is sort of, but it's really Hudson and Jude together, and then Charlie and Leo together. So it's just occasionally they get on.
1: <laughs> it's actually free commune. So yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now you mentioned in the, just those four books alone some heavy topics that that yeah. go through the books. What draws you to 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 dealing with those topics? Because it sounds like from that in that description of the third book that it's it gets a little tough from the author's side.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hmm, how do I say this without revealing too much about myself? <laughs> Okay, let's put it this way. It's very easy to become the victim if something has happened to you. I've had stuff happen to me. Um, and I've also lived my whole life, actually, with chronic illness. And so, and it's so easy to get into that victim mentality. And the world owes me, and, and it, that's not how, that's not a way to live. And I know that gay men, gay and bisexual men, they've been treated like hell by their families, by society. And if there's any way at all possible, I could help even just a couple of people by reading something that maybe resonates with their experience. You know, that's what I want to do. I'm not doing family therapy anymore. But, you know, this is, this I don't know, sometimes I think reading a book is more therapeutic than going and talking it out with, with a therapist. So, because I've had books hit me, like, deep, And it's changed who I am. So this is just a a way that I can take my education. I don't have to stick a label on somebody. I don't have to diagnose them and give them all the DM numbers like I used to do. I can just write a story that might hit somebody. And it might not hit anybody, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't helpful for me to write.
1: So you, you write this range between sweet and angsty and even a little kink occasionally. How do your readers react to the, to the variations they can get in a Posey Roberts book or books?
3: Some, some people um, expect, they want each book to be kind of in a similar tone. And so when I switch it up, sometimes people aren't thrilled about that. So, but at the same time, then I'll occasionally get new readers because they want to read about that kinky story, Cheeky Hipsters and Jocks was one of those that was just pure kink. And my Christmas one that's gonna be coming out um, this year with Dream Spinner Press is, I, honest to God, you're gonna need a toothbrush afterwards. It is so fluffy. Oh, it is so fluffy. Oh, there's a little bit of angst in it, just a tiny bit, but. So, yeah, its it's a challenge, I think, but if I'm looking for new readers, I have to write different things. Um, Not everybody wants to read the heavy stuff. I know North Star turned a lot of people off, probably just from the blurb, because it had kids in it. And people assume that that it's going to be a really kid-centric story, and it's going to be all about parenting. Well, some of it is, but it was really a family saga about healing and loving and sticking together and being with each other through thick and thin, and there was a lot of thick there. So um, I don't know, I, I, at the same time, I really want to write partially for me too. With Silver Scars, um, I wrote that when I was super anxious, and Gil in that story has post-traumatic stress disorder and suffers from anxiety um, after an explosion from a former client's ex was planted in his house. Um, and his whole life changed. At 38 years old, he goes from being a, su- a successful lawyer to um, not being able to even step foot in a courtroom. So he takes a part-time job as a proofreader. Actually, that's based after my husband's job. <laughs> my husband's a medical proofreader at Mayo Clinic. So that's actually one of the things that uh, I just used real life there. Sure.
1: Now you're coming into your third GRL. Yeah. And I know you've got a panel discussion going on. Who are, you, who are you on the panel with and what will you be talking about?
3: Okay, I'm going to be on the panel with N.R. Walker and um, and Jay Northcote. And we've known each other for years online, um, long before either of us started um, publishing original fiction when we were back in the day of fan fiction. So, um, and we're going to actually be Talking about writing around the world. Um, Nick is from um, NR. Nick, sorry, is from Australia, and Jay is from the UK, and of course I'm from um, the US. And um, even in the US, it's varied from like the writing a character from the north is so different than writing from the, from the south. So, and we've beta read each other's stuff, we proofread each other's stuff, and we just. To, Talk about, you know, the challenges of writing for a global market when we're writing about a specific region, like the word hot dish for me, hot dish is a casserole, but that's a Midwestern thing. <laughs> I just didn't actually in my Christmas story, the Dream edited. they wanted to make it two words. And I'm like, no, it's one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you and I are also doing a fun fair event uh, along yeah. with eight other authors a little a little jeopardy right. style game and some other trivia and truth or dare and stuff and
3: Yeah. That's going to be fun. I I'm, I'm excited to see what what's going to come out of that. But we have awesome prizes from everything that I've seen. So, you put together a candle with like how many stories are on it?
1: Like there's 25 books in it right now. Wow. Yeah.
3: That's a great prize. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Then Not like, to
3: mention, I think people are bringing like paperbacks and swag and all sorts of stuff, yeah, right?
1: And gift cards. It, it, it's going to be a fun event. So yeah. hopefully, everybody will join us for that on the fun fair on Friday.
3: Yes, that sounds exciting.
1: Anything you're looking forward to in Kansas City in particular?
3: Um, I <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I'm really looking forward to the ride down because I get to be with. To a a reviewer friend of mine and another author friend, my author friend, Tina Blanke, used to live literally a couple blocks away from me. And she's moved out to the East Coast. So I haven't seen her in over a year. So we'll get to hang, which will be great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And um, I'm just meeting all the people. Um, I'm doing the featured author thing for the first time this year, which is scary for me. Um, I've done a support author, and I kind of felt like I could blend into the background a little bit more, but we'll see. Um, I'm, I really do enjoy meeting readers and getting to have kind of one-on-one chats with them, so uh, that's probably the thing that I'm most looking forward to, getting to know people, even if I don't remember their names, because I suck at names. I'm the same way. <laughs> I can recognize you. I'm always looking down because the name tags are down on the belly. I'm always looking down at people. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
1: And then ultimately, at least in my case, they're always flipped over too. So you look down and you can't see what it is anyway.
3: (laughs) Oh, I know last year I just got bold and I said, can I see your name? Okay, now I know who you are.
1: (laughs) So what's the best way for people to keep up with you online?
3: Um... I'm on Facebook most often. My blog is um, PoseyRoberts.com. That's probably the other way. Um, Facebook, I have both a Facebook page, which is just at Posey Roberts. And then my other page, I think it's Posey Roberts 11 or something like that. Or three. or I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, and I do a little bit on Twitter, but I'm not that great with Twitter anymore. Instagram. I love Instagram, but that's more just for photography, for fun. That's,
1: that's fun, though. So we'll link up to all yeah. that stuff uh, in the show notes along with links so folks can go buy your books. Uh, Posey, thank you so much for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you in Kansas in just a few weeks.
3: Okay, thank you. I look forward to seeing you.
0: You can follow the GRL blog tour by going to gayromlit.com slash 2016 tour.
1: Now, as you know, if you've been following along, we've teamed up with the authors that we're hosting on the GRL blog tour to give away a 7-inch fire tablet that's loaded with books from our guests. Uh, In addition, I'm putting some books into the tablet, and our friends at Wild City Press are giving us books for their authors who are attending GRL. There's a rafflecopter, as usual, on the episode 52 show notes, and the big GRL blog tour giveaway runs through Sunday, October 23rd, which is the closing day of GRL. Uh, You need a word of the week. Whatever is that word this week? This week, the
0: word is going to be cats. And you'll realize why in just a moment. Yes. Cats. C A T S. So, Jeff. Will. (laughs) Sir. (laughs) Not only are we uh, pimping the GRL blog tour, you are associated
1: with yet another blog tour that's going on right now. That is true. Uh, this is, I believe, the third, maybe fourth year even uh, that a dozen authors have been have, have gotten together uh, and we've been brought together uh, from T.M. Smith, who you also know as Tammy Middleton, who's a friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she each year has been putting together the Dirty Dozen blog tour, and that's where a dozen authors each submit one question, and then for the blog tour, the 12 of us answer those 12 questions. The blog tour kicked off on October 1st and runs through October 12th. Uh, You'll find me on Ellie Franks' blog on October 11th. You can see the entire schedule for the blog tour at jeffadamsrights.com on the homepage, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. There's also a giveaway that we're doing, because, you know, what's a blog tour without a giveaway? Uh, where if you do the rafflecopter that's associated with each post on the tour, you'll have the chance to win one ebook from each of the twelve authors. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and it's a it's a great lineup of authors. But you'll have to go to jeffadamswrites.com to see that whole list. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So get on that, check it out, and uh, give it a look see
0: because yeah, that's a really good prize. I'm imp- I'm impressed. Yeah,
1: I mean <laughs> one book from each of us, and I think uh, you get to pick it. For most of the authors, you get to pick it off their backlist. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a pretty, it's a pretty awesome giveaway. Cool. Okay. So aside
0: from all the blog tours that you take part in, you have also been on the East Coast recently. You took part in Cycle for the Cause.
1: I did. And, yes. And how did that go this year? That was amazing, as usual. Uh, I had I was out with the AV crew this year, so my my AV geek from you know middle <laughs> school and high school really had had it going on because yeah. I'm around these guys who have these mega cameras for video and audio. So that was a lot of fun. I got to cheer on riders at really diverse points in the ride because we would pull off to take shots uh, at places they weren't expecting to see us. Uh, Most importantly, the ride made over $1 million this year uh, for the first time ever. That's a record amount uh, for the ride. And it was incredible to see that number turned over. Uh, at closing ceremonies, Mm. Um, I did have an opportunity to interview uh, Glenda Testone, who's the executive director of the LGBT Center in New York, to find out how the money raised on Cycle for the Cause is used and why someone living outside the tri-state area would want to donate for this cause.
4: So I really think that AIDS awareness lives with all of us. We need to be talking about this. We need to be spreading information. And every little bit that we can do in pockets of the country, in this case in New York, really spreads all over because we're all connected you know Mm -hmm. folks live here they travel there they move um, and we really need to make sure that we're all working to end the epidemic by 2020 that's the goal of New York State Um, I was a member of that task force and we really can do it if we all become aware we get committed and we really do everything we can together
1: awesome now what do you do here at the center in particular I I know you that it serves 6,000 some people is a week
4: Uh, Yeah, 6,000 people a week come to the center, um, mostly LGBT from the tri-state area, all five boroughs of New York City, and we provide HIV testing, we do education, we do prevention, uh, especially with young people, we're really training the next generation of AIDS activists, and we need that because Mm -hmm. we can't become complacent. Um, We're connecting people to PrEP, um, and we're helping with economic empowerment opportunities to make sure that people can support themselves and be healthy overall.
1: Mm -hmm. And there's an amazing youth contingent in the ride this year, right? the Fearless Flyers, who are 15 strong this year?
4: Yeah, first ever youth team, um, over 10 members, and uh, you know they've more than doubled since last year, and yeah. they are incredible and inspiring, and uh, I wish everyone could beat them.
1: Yeah, they're an incredible team. I've been watching them all weekend, uh, supporting each other, supporting others on the ride. It's been incredible. Well, Glinda, we will let you go. Thank you so Thank much you, for being Jeff. with us for a few minutes.
4: Thank you. Keep on keeping yeah. on, everyone.
1: So my donation link is still active and will be active through the end of October. If you want to push this effort beyond the million dollars it's already got, that would be awesome. And I do have to thank everybody who donated to me this year. My goal was $2,000. Mm-hmm. I made just over 2400 which is awesome. Oh, good. But you can add to that through at least the end of October. Okay. Um, so if you're inclined to do so based on what you heard from Glenda, that would be awesome. There's another link I've got in the show notes that's actually from the closing ceremonies as everybody's coming in and it has Glenda's closing uh, speech. Yeah. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, and you can check that out if you want. Cool. So you were you were a really busy boy. Not only did you take part in Cycle for the Cause, <laughs> you also did some wacky touristy stuff too. So yeah, I was in the city uh, Sunday afternoon after we came in from closing ceremonies and Monday. Sunday night, I went to see Cats, the revival of which opened up, I believe it was in July. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had to go see it mostly because, uh, Ricky O'Dea from So You Think You Can Dance. Winner of season 11, isn't it? And I have a mega So You Think You Can Dance crush on him. Um, and I was also curious to see, uh, Leona Lewis, who is the singer of Bleeding Love, uh, beat Isabella. Unfortunately, she was out. Don't know why. She's actually exiting the show later this week on October 9th. So this is her last week of performances, but she was out on that Sunday. So whatever. Didn't see her. <laughs> Absolutely love the show. Did. I mean, it's always been one of my favorites. It's one of the first big Broadway shows I ever saw on tour. Um, and it still packs a lot of good magic for me. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I did a write-up on uh, jeffandwill.com, mm-hmm. so you can check out my, my longer review of it. And I did get to meet Ricky. I was so happy. I did the whole stage door thing. <laughs> uh, got a selfie with him. He's cute a button. Yes, he is. Loved him a lot. Uh, So, yeah, I did that. And then on Monday, I got to do the Star Trek 50th anniversary Starfleet Academy experience, which is happening at the Intrepid Air, Sea, and Space Museum. Uh, This was a whole interactive Star Trek experience. They had, not only did they have props and costumes stretching across all the TV series, they also had these interactive stations where the idea was you were doing tests to see how you would be placed in Starfleet Academy. Were you command? Were you medical? Were you tech? Were you engineering? Whatever. Uh, I am command. <laughs> I think that's the project manager in me coming out, yeah. and I would just project manage the situation. Uh, I had such a blast. Uh, I was in there for a couple hours. Um, that experience runs through the end of October. So if you're in New York and you're a Trekkie and you want to celebrate the 50th anniversary, uh, check out the Intrepid, uh, where this is hanging out. Uh, you can get VIP tickets, which means you can just kind of get in there anytime you want to be in there. I could say that a rainy Monday afternoon is excellent because there were not many people there at all. Um, got a link to the show notes uh, for the experience itself as well as my write-up on jeffandwill.com. Mm, cool. Yeah. Now, while you were so busy, I managed to get some reading
0: done. Oh, very good. Uh, I wanted to... Um, Give my uh, thumbs up to a book that I recently read by Shira Anthony called Take Two. Okay. Uh, Now, this came out not too long ago. Uh, It's a brand new release for her. And Take Two is a contemporary romance, and it is about Wesley. He is a professor, and uh, when his summer plans fall through, he takes a job as a... uh, Historical consultant on a pirate movie that is shooting uh, in the Carolinas So when he gets on location, he discovers that the star of this pirate movie is uh, His husband who uh, he is in the process of divorcing Uh, Sam Uh, the star of the film, has rigged this entire situation and is using their time together in the Carolinas in order to win Wesley back. So it's... uh, I can't recommend it enough. I love Sam and Wesley. Two pieces. They're adorable, uh, really interesting. Um, What I thought was... uh, most appealing about the book is is that these two characters have a history they have been married for almost 10 years uh but unfortunately because of sam's you know stardom he lives in hollywood wesley lives uh in new york where he's a professor uh and they could not make the long distance thing work uh hence the divorce papers so it the Bulk of the book is really about Sam trying to win Wesley over with grand gestures uh, and him finally coming to the realization that it's not about grand romantic gestures. It's about being there uh, for the person that you're in a relationship with. Uh, So I really, really enjoyed it and I really recommend it. Nice.
1: I've been reading a couple books also. In in between all that other (laughs) stuff I was doing, there were books. Um, I did finish a beta read for a friend, uh, for a sci-fi epic that they wrote. Uh, when that finally comes out, we'll talk about that a little bit on the show. Okay. Um, I also read, uh, in, because hockey season is just getting ready to start. Preseason's Whoa. been going on. Go <laughs> Red Wings!
0: Lordy, lordy, lordy. Uh,
1: Avon Gale's Breakaway, mm-hmm. which actually came out last year. It's the first in her Scoring Chances series. And I finally got around to it because book f- three... Uh, just came out recently, and I picked that up and dropped it into my uh, Kindle queue. And I'm like, I need to go back and read, because I've been hearing such good things about these books overall, and mm-hmm. it is. Breakaways, awesome. I just can't speak highly of it enough. Uh, here you've got 21-year-old Lane Courtnall who has moved from Toronto because he'd been drafted uh, by the Jacksonville Seastorm of the ECHL, Uh, with his eye on getting put into their uh, NHL counterpart of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, He is very socially awkward. Imagine Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory without all the smarts to go with it. (laughs) And just all of his social awkwardness. Um, He's alienated his teammates, and to help get him back in with his team, he's actually having a throwdown with their biggest rival, uh, gloves off, trying to beat up this... uh, defenseman named Jared Shores, who plays for the uh, Savannah Renegades. Uh, Turns out that that was the first spark of a relationship for these two. Uh, And an adorable relationship it is. It's a little bit May-December because Lane is 20, turns 21 in the book, whereas Jared is 32 and thinking about retiring at this point. Um, For Jared, this relationship helps him rediscover his love of the game and that he can have a relationship that is not a damaging one to him. Uh, for, for Lane, everybody kind of tries to get him a little less socially awkward, which works to varying degrees. <laughs> uh, but it also proves to him that uh, he could be gay and it's okay. Uh, they have a delightful romance, uh, these two who come from such very different backgrounds, uh, I can't wait to see in future books how their ending gets carried over with some of these other characters. I've already started the second book, uh, which picks up with the goalie from book one. Kind of, it's his story now in book two. So. Check out the Scoring Chances series, and I have on jeffandwill.com a review of Breakaway that I'll link to in the show notes also. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for this
0: week's episode. Look, we remembered how to do a show. We did. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Yay for us. Coming up next week in episode number 53, Ellie Franks will be here for the GRL blog tour, and we'll be talking about the charity hockey anthology, Changing on the Fly. So you can't get away from the hockey uh, yeah, it's that time of the year. I, I don't know. It is. I just, I just, um I'm resolved. I've accepted. Can't fight it. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you have a good week. Okay. See you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit biggayfictionpodcast.com.